I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Happy New Year, Happy New Decade, and welcome to Season 9 of the Parenting Aces podcast. I can't believe it. When we started this podcast in 2012, I had no idea that it would still be going in 2020. It's just mind-boggling to me. So thank you all so much for continuing to support the podcast and Parenting Aces. Couldn't do it without you. Over the years, I have had the opportunity to talk to so many incredible people and learn from them and share that knowledge with all of you. And I just am just thrilled that we're still going strong and still have an audience that's interested in learning more and doing better as tennis parents. So again, thank you so much for continuing to support us. I also want to give a shout out to my son, Morgan Stone, for our new intro and outro music this season. And he loves when I (laughs) text him and say, Hey, it's time for new music. What you got for me? Um, so I am I'm very grateful to him for that. And I also want to just say, starting this season by having Danielle Lau on the podcast is really exciting for me. Danielle has done the podcast before, as you'll know, she was a top junior. She had an incredible college career at USC. And she graduated in 2013 and has been out on tour ever since, making waves out there. And in this episode, she reflects on her 2019 season and talks a little bit about the quote-unquote off-season in professional tennis and how she is planning to spend it or was planning to spend it. We did record this before the end of the year, so um, take that into account when you're listening. But she also talks a little bit about what she has planned for 2020 and what she's hoping to accomplish. So I hope you find that useful. I find her approach to tennis to be so thoughtful and so logical and so balanced and love it if you would share this episode with your junior players, because I feel like they have so much to learn from her wisdom. So with that in mind, sit back, relax, and enjoy Season 9, Episode 1 of the Parenting Aces Podcast. Danielle Lau, thanks so much for coming back on the Parenting Aces Podcast. I'm so thrilled to get the chance to chat with you again. No, thanks for having me. I I have fun on our chats. Well, me too. And I have fun reading your social media posts and your blogs. And I just, I always learn something when I talk to you and I feel like your attitude towards your tennis is so healthy and it's one that needs to be shared. So I I appreciate you <laughs> taking time out of your preseason. Oh, oh thanks. I'm a, I hope it's healthy. I work at it every day, but <laughs> yeah, I try. Well, so Right now we're recording this. It's early December. This probably isn't going to air until January or maybe early February. But I really want to talk about what the off season looks like for a professional tennis player because, you know, we know tennis is a year-round sport, and certainly in the juniors, you know, it it doesn't ever stop um, unless you schedule a break. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, transitioning from juniors to college to professional, 
how have you kind of built in these training blocks and these rest periods so that you can stay somewhat healthy and, and compete when you need to? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it, it really depends on the player. Some, some are finishing up the season, maybe a little broken and a little hurt, maybe also a little mentally tired. Um, I think every year you're on tour, you kind of learn a little bit more about yourself, how you handled the off season slash preseason. Like, did it serve you? Did it, did it burn you out? Did you feel like you didn't have enough time to put the work in? And, um, I, I've done it a few different ways. I've, I've, I normally end my year kind of late because I'm, you know, hustling for points for Aussie Open and just, in the past couple of years, I've, I've been able to, to make the cut, which is, which is great. Um, last year, I, I finished off the year a, a little banged up uh, physically and, and mentally I was tired too. I was tired from the competition. So I knew I needed to take some time off, maybe, a, maybe a week and a half from tennis, but it, it took me all of like three or four days to get a little antsy and to get back in the gym just because I, I think, I think as professional athletes, you're just used to a routine. At least for me, uh, I, I like just getting a sweat in and and staying in decent shape so that I don't lose too much when I start back 100%. Uh, but but this year was a little different. I, I finished off the year, but I felt pretty fresh actually. I I felt physically physically healthy, mentally. I I just felt like getting after it and. The, the day after I finished my last my last tennis match, I, I went running. I went to the gym. I've been putting in some hard yards in terms of the cross training. I've been laying off the tennis a little bit because I I don't want to. You don't want to burn yourself out on the court. You want to be excited when you're on court because um, you know mentally, if you don't have any enthusiasm on the court, I think that's that's a recipe for disaster to start the year. But um, I've always been someone that likes to exercise to work out to be active so this year I'm just going to try to use that to my advantage and get after it as long as I I feel healthy and I feel and I feel like I want to want to do it and I haven't really felt tired yet so I'm I'm just I'm just going at it day by day and trying to trying to straighten strengthen certain parts of my body and to build my fitness up what does cross training look like for you specifically what are you doing uh well I do I do a little bit of running, um, I, some some longer runs, some interval runs, and um, some some shorter, higher tempo runs. And the the days I'm not running, I I go into the gym and do some intervals on the bike and and some weights. Uh, so yeah, just just pretty much building the body to to withstand the pounding and the the stress that that you need to handle and and take on the tennis court so I, I guess like for for other people it, it'd be different depends probably on your body type what you feel like you lack on the court but yeah for for me I think a huge thing I've been focusing on is a little bit on my upper body strength since uh, earlier in the year my my uh, my elbow kind of broke down on me I had a little tendonitis in there and I think it's just yeah just just a lack of lack of strength in the supporting muscles around it so just been really working I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces.
year, happy new decade, and welcome to season nine of the Parenting Aces podcast. I can't believe it. When we started this podcast in 2012, I had no idea that it would still be going in 2020. It's just mind-boggling to me. So thank you all so much for continuing to support the podcast and Parenting Aces. Couldn't do it without you. Over the years, I have had the opportunity to talk to so many incredible people and learn from them and share that knowledge with all of you. And I just am just thrilled that we're still going strong and still have an audience that's interested in learning more and doing better as tennis parents. So again, thank you so much for continuing to support us. I also want to give a shout out to my son, Morgan Stone, for our new intro and outro music this season. And he loves when I (laughs) text him and say, hey, it's time for new music. What you got for me? Um, So I'm very grateful to him for that. And I also want to just say, starting this season by having Danielle Lau on the podcast is really exciting for me. Danielle has done the podcast before. As you all know, she was a top junior. She had an incredible college career at USC. And she graduated in 2013 and has been out on tour ever since, making waves out there. And in this episode, she reflects on her 2019 season and talks a little bit about the quote-unquote off-season in professional tennis and how she is planning to spend it or was planning to spend it. We did record this before the end of the year, so um, take that into account when you're listening. But she also talks a little bit about what she has planned for 2020 and what she's hoping to accomplish. So I hope you find that useful. I find her approach to tennis to be so thoughtful and so logical and so balanced and love it if you would share this episode with your junior players, because I feel like they have so much to learn from her wisdom. So with that in mind, sit back, relax, and enjoy Season 9, Episode 1 of the Parenting Aces Podcast. Danielle Lau, thanks so much for coming back on the Parenting Aces Podcast. I'm so thrilled to get the chance to chat with you again. No, thanks for having me. I, I have fun on our chats. Well, me too. And I have fun reading your social media posts and your blogs. And I just, I always learn something when I talk to you and I feel like your attitude towards your tennis is so healthy and it's one that needs to be shared. So I I appreciate you <laughs> taking time out of your preseason. Oh, oh thanks. Um, I hope it's healthy. I work at it every day, but <laughs> yeah, I try. Well, so Right now we're recording this. It's early December. This probably isn't going to air until January or maybe early February. But I really want to talk about what the off season looks like for a professional tennis player because, you know, we know tennis is a year-round sport, and certainly in the juniors, you know, it it doesn't ever stop um, unless you schedule a break. Yeah. From your perspective, transitioning from juniors to college to professional, how have you kind of built in these training blocks and these rest periods so that you can stay somewhat healthy and and compete when you need to? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I, I think it, it really depends on the player. Some some are finishing up the season, maybe a little broken and a little hurt, maybe also a little mentally tired. Um, I think every year you're on tour, you kind of learn a little bit more about yourself, how you handled the off season slash preseason. Like, did it serve you? Did it did it burn you out? Did you feel like you didn't have enough time to put the work in? And um, I, I've done it a few different ways. I've, I've I normally end my year kind of late because I'm you know hustling for points for Aussie Open and just. In the past couple of years, I've I've been able to to make the cut, which is which is great. Um, last year, I, I finished off the year a, a little banged up uh, physically and and mentally. I was tired too. I was tired from the competition, so I knew I needed to take some time off, maybe a, maybe a week and a half from tennis. But it, it took me all of like three or four days to get a little antsy and to get back in the gym, just because I, I think. I think as professional athletes, you're just used to a routine. At least for me, uh, I, I like just getting a sweat in and and staying in decent shape so that I don't lose too much when I start back 100%. Uh, but but this year was a little different. I, I finished off the year, but I felt pretty fresh actually. I I felt physically physically healthy, mentally. I I just felt like getting after it and. The, the day after I finished my last my last tennis match, I, I went running. I went to the gym. I've been putting in some hard yards in terms of the cross training. I've been laying off the tennis a little bit because I I don't want to you don't want to burn yourself out on the court. You want to be excited when you're on court because um, you know mentally, if you don't have any enthusiasm on the court, I think that's that's a recipe for disaster to start the year. But um, I've always been someone that likes to to exercise, to work out, to be active. So this year, I'm just going to try to use that to my advantage and get after it as long as I, I feel healthy and I feel, and I feel like I want to, want to do it. And I haven't really felt tired yet. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just going at it day by day and trying to, trying to straighten, strengthen certain parts of my body and to build my fitness up. What does cross training look like for you specifically? What are you doing? Uh, well, I do I do a little bit of running. Um I some some longer runs, some interval runs and um some some shorter higher tempo runs and the the days I'm not running I, I go into the gym and do some intervals on the bike and, and some weights. Uh so yeah, just, just pretty much building the body to to withstand the pounding and the, the stress that that you need to handle and and take on the tennis court so I I guess like for for other people it'd be different depends probably on your body type what you feel like you lack on the court but but yeah for for me I think a huge thing I've been focusing on is a little bit on my upper body strength since uh, earlier in the year my my uh, my elbow kind of broke down on me I had a little tendonitis in there and I think it's just yeah just just a lack of lack of strength and the supporting muscles around it. So just been really working on that and focused on that. How did you figure out what specifically you needed to do? Are you working with a physical trainer or, or do you have a physical mm-hmm. therapist that helps you out? Uh, so for me, I have a, um, I have, I have a massage therapist. That's also a, a bodybuilder. Uh, I work with him like in terms of, 
getting my aches and pains out and he assesses my body to see where it's at. And he also gives me an idea on like what he thinks in terms of when he assesses me, like what's breaking down and such, uh, what, what exercises to do. I don't really have a physical trainer, but, uh, my, my knowledge over the years has just been, it's all been stuff collected from college, from things you see on tour and, and also just knowing your body to knowing what, what you need. And a lot of it, I know we want to be as efficient as possible, but a lot of it's trial and error at the same time. You know, you can, you can go after a certain like strength and conditioning program, but you can't really reap the rewards until maybe a month or so later to, to see if it actually works out for you. Did it hurt you? Did it make you slower? Did it make you stronger? So it, it's kind of a trial and error thing. And, and also you have to be patient with it too. So you can't go out, do a certain type of workout today and expect to see some sort of results tomorrow. It's, it's, you got to like go at it for, for a little bit and a, a certain amount of time and, and yeah, and be patient with w- what it'll give you and, and just like assess afterwards. So, so I think it's, it's a matter of time and, and yeah, just an openness to do whatever it takes to, to, to train your body properly. Do the players talk to each other about this stuff? Like, Hey, you know, I've been feeling this little ache in my elbow, you know, uh-huh. have you ever had anything like that? What'd you do for it? Uh, for, for me, I haven't really had any conversations with any other players on tour talking about that I, I kind of get the the feeling that maybe we don't want to share each other's injuries <laughs> or um yeah we, we probably don't share you know our health our health too much with each other especially if we're competing against each other um so it yeah it's tough to say I mean some sometimes you have a casual conversation in terms of like oh yeah my trainer's putting me through this and it didn't work and and now we're trying this, but not, nothing really in detail. And, I, and I, for me, at least, I don't see I don't see it too often. Do you think that's a good thing, or do you wish it were different? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing because everyone's body is a little bit different. Uh, do I wish it were different? Hmm. Not really. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to feel like I, I need to share also, <laughs> to be honest. Right. <laughs> I mean, I get the competitive edge and, you know, I understand that, but I also, you know, I, I talk, I have talked to Noah Rubin quite a bit about behind the racket and, mm-hmm. you know, I know one of the things he's trying to do is kind of shed some light on some of the issues more on the mental side that players have, but I feel like, you know, it's, it's kind of a similar thing with the physical stuff. Like y'all are out there alone a lot of the year. And mm-hmm. I mean, if, if something's bugging you in your body, it's got to be a little frustrating, you know, that mm-hmm. you're out there on your own and oh, I've got to figure out how to fix this. And I really need to play this tournament next week, but this hurts. And I'm not sure if I can play or if I'm going to do more damage, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, I I will say that my 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 former teammates and I maybe we share a little bit on our aches and pains, but that's because we're we're quite close and yeah, I I always want to see them do well. So I probably feel a little bit more open to that. Um 
but yeah, yeah, it's tough to it's tough to share the aches and pains side too. You know, if I were to be like devil's advocate, if someone came up to me and told me that, you know, oh, I had this like elbow pain and whatnot, I would actually be because I'm I'm not a professional like strength and conditioning or a, a PT. And I'm not certified in that. I would be a little scared to advise them actually, just because sure. I, you, you know, I, I don't want them to try something and then it makes it makes it worse. And then they're like, oh, like they have it out for me now because I gave them like that <laughs> advice. And it, and it, or you're and, playing and, them next week, and oh, how yeah. what can <laughs> and it's and it's their profession too. So sure. yeah, it's tough. And and we also have physios on the road too, like the WTA has a bunch of trainers available, the ITF too. So I, I guess you can get assessed there. So yeah, I mean, like and that was my help on the road. But, right. That yeah. was my next question. If, if like your mm-hmm. massage therapist travels with you, cause that gets expensive and you know, oh, it's yeah. tough, but, but yet at the same time, your body is your livelihood. And so you need to take care mm-hmm. of it properly. And yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't suggesting that y'all should give medical advice to each other. I was just just thinking about it in terms of, oh, Uh you know, no, I worked with this person and they were really able to help me or, you know, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So what else does your off season look like? I mean, are you able to take time and be with your family? I know that's really important to you or um, hang out with friends, you know, because during season, you're, as we all know, you are on the road traveling constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, the off season is definitely a great time to catch up with everyone. Uh, in the past seven days, I've I've thrown a bridal shower, a Thanksgiving, and a Friendsgiving, and I'm just exhausted from from social <laughs> <laughs> from socializing and cooking uh but it, it's almost like i feel like i have a limited amount of time during the off season too and i just want to like get it all in and in one week i want to squeeze everything in and and it's it's tough but but it's definitely worth it uh i was at thanksgiving you know this past week and seeing seeing my cousins my aunts and my uncles it, it was really nice um i think it's the, it was the first big family gathering I've been to all year and you know my nieces are are getting so big I like I they look like a different person every time I see them uh, but yeah so it, it's a, it's it's good to be in one place for for this amount of time in order to to yeah make make space for for the people at home and make make time make time for them and yeah I'm really grateful for for yeah this this downtime yeah. And I mean, the off season in tennis isn't really that long, right? I mean, it's a few no, weeks and then you're regrouping and getting ready for the Australian swing or New Zealand or wherever y'all start now. <laughs> I mean, there's just yeah. not that many weeks that you have off. So at what point uh, do you try to start getting ready for the lead up tournaments to the Australian open, because not only do you have to travel a long distance to get down there, but the weather down there is so extremely different from the weather here. here. Yeah. So can you talk about prepping for that and how, what you do and how long you give yourself for that? 
Well, this this year I I've already started training just because I I felt like it and I, I felt like getting after it. Um, but normally I think like with in terms of like ramping up your tennis and your match play, I think uh, midway mid mid December, maybe second third week of December, like everyone starts to hit it pretty hard, and then um, uh, every everyone normally leaves maybe Christmas Eve for the for the start of the warm up tournaments. Um, so yeah, and, and I also, it also really depends when you, when you end your season, some, some girls who are ranked a little higher, they ended their season in October. So they had a little bit more, they had a little bit more downtime. And for me, I ended it at the beginning of, of November. And, um, keep in mind that like whatever downtime you have, uh, if you're taking like full time off from any physical activity, you're also losing a little fitness when you're doing it too. So sure. you have to you have to manage. If you take like full time off, you have to manage time to get back into shape to where you were, and also you you need to leave time to improve too because right. that is what the off season is for. You wanna you wanna start off. I, I don't think you can you'll you'll see a tennis player within the top 200 saying that they want to be exactly where they were last year. (laughs) Um, They they want, they want to improve in the off season. So I I think, yeah, it's a case by case basis for me since I ended the season a little later, I just started to get after it already. I'll probably start ramping up the tennis in the next, um, in the next week or so. And right now just, yeah, working on my fitness. I'm sure everyone's got kind of a different plan, but uh, that that's my plan of attack right now. And how do you get your body ready to handle the extreme heat? <laughs> uh, you'll laugh at me, but go to the sauna. <laughs> no, I think that's smart. Yeah. So, like, I mean, so how long that, do you that, sit that in there? The workout for me. Uh, normally, like, maybe 20 minutes. Wow. And see if you could sit put in there and withstand that extreme heat. Um I think yeah, yeah, California's not gonna get very hot um within the next month or so. So yeah, just going in going into the sauna for me that I, I look at that as some some sort of heat training. You gotta train your breathing and make sure your body doesn't is not completely you know, surprise when it sees, when it sees like the Australian weather. Right. And I mean, I know a lot of the American players head down to Lake Nona in the off season to train. You're based on the West coast. It's where you grew up. And will you Mm -hmm. go down to Florida too, before you head down to Australia? Uh, I'm I'm going for a training week in, uh, I'm leaving on the eighth for a training week there. Um, and, and for some, uh, for some some fitness testing. I, I've never been down there, so it'll be a cool experience for me. So I'll go down there for a week and, and then come back for the holidays or whatever's left of it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the heat and humidity down in Orlando can be intense. I don't know how intense it'll be in December. Certainly not as intense as what you're going to face in Melbourne and Auckland and wherever else you're playing lead-up events. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I... <laughs> I just, I watch the Australian Open every year and I watch players, you know, suffer from the conditions there. And 
I know the tournament every year is making accommodations and providing ice towels and longer breaks between sets and yada, yada, yada. But it's, if you're not ready and if you're coming from wintertime in the States to that, I mean, it can, it can totally throw you off your game. I mean, figuratively and literally. (laughs) Yeah. No, it, it definitely, that is part of the challenge of, of going to Australia. That one is like the time difference. I think that's, so one, the, the weather, that, that's a huge challenge. Uh, the, the next one, it, it's the travel to get there. And then the time difference, those, those three things are, are factors that, you know, us Americans, we need to, we need to take into account because it, it is a long flight down there. Yeah. And, um, uh, for, for me, the jet lag isn't too bad. I actually struggle more on the way back, but um, I, I do hear from other players that that they struggle with the jet lag going there. So, have you, um, so the, those three things. Have you found as you continue to play that travel has just become kind of something you don't even have to think about anymore? Or does the stress of travel still impact you? No, I, for me, I just try to make the most of it. I actually enjoy it. Uh, my my time alone on the plane, where there's no, there's no one to call me, no one to text me, it's 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 quite nice. I, I think it's just really how you approach it. Um, yeah, and, and and with every with every trip, you get more efficient at it. So so yeah, it, it definitely is part of the job. But I, I think I think we're all pretty used to it, and the 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 part that's maybe a little tougher is when you're away from home for, for a long amount of time, but the actual traveling itself, no big deal. Um, maybe it's stressful to find, find cost efficient flights or, you know, whether you want to use points or not, but um, yeah, the actual active traveling, it's, it's okay for me. If you have delays, you have delays. If yeah, you know, long, long sitting a long time on the flight, not a big deal. And what about acclimating to hotels and finding food that suits your needs? Because, again, Mm -hmm. your body is your most important tool in this sport, and you've got to fuel it properly. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think as as a professional athlete, you, you need to understand the balance of being flexible, but also getting what you want and what you need. Uh, I think... I think when you start to travel to certain places uh, for, you know, multiple times, like you go into Australia, you kind of, the second, third time there, you kind of know what it can offer you and what you're going to get there. Uh, same thing. I, I know some people struggle going to Asia a little bit, but you just know what you're going to get. And um, sometimes you need to bring certain supplements or certain snacks and foods to, to help you out at the same time. Uh, for me, I, I normally bring like oatmeal and peanut butter and my picky bars um, to to keep things consistent for me. And also, uh, hydration is important. That I can't um, that I can't compromise with. So, uh, yeah, you just know like there are certain things you need to bring from home that you can't compromise. And also, you kind of you can also think of adjusting your diet to to get used to eating things that you could find in every country, like, like eggs and bread, <laughs> which, yeah. is, which is, which is like, a, you know, you could find it in any country. And, and for me, like, that's kind of, that's like my, my pre pregame morning breakfast. 
Um, and, and I just get used to performing off of that. So wherever I go, I can find it. Um, I, I understand everyone's got different dietary restrictions. Uh, but yeah, I, I try to, you know, manage it. However, however, I can try to make it simple, but also, you know, I don't want to be so stressed out going somewhere and worried that I'm not going to get avocado toast or something like I just need to I need to be able to find find a routine that's sustainable. Well, and I think that's really tricky, especially for tennis players who tend to be Mm -hmm. very routine based. Right. I mean, that's, you know, you Mm -hmm. develop pre-point routines, pre-serve routines, between-point routines, changeover routines, um, all these things. And so to then have to find a way to tolerate things that are outside your routine when you're traveling to different places is challenging. Yeah, it's tough, but I, I joke around with my family. I could survive off of bread, eggs, my protein powder, and peanut butter. All like for for a few weeks at a time so if and in in most cases uh, i can either bring all of that or find some eggs wherever i'm going so um yeah keeping it simple but yeah obviously maybe somebody someone else needs more than that um but but for me i've at least narrowed it down to that and and it's taken some time to kind of kind of figure it out you just experience and you um, I mean, you just experiment and and new experiences kind of like teach you like how to be more savvy on the road. But, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely tough. Well, that leads me to my next question for you, which is uh-huh. if you could go back and talk to Danielle Lau, recent USC graduate, just going out on the road as a professional tennis player, what mm-hmm. advice would you give to that Danielle? Oof, a lot. <laughs> um, I, I, I would tell her that that the professional tour is going to push you to 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 do things that are very far out of your comfort zone, and and a lot of it is going to be unlearning what you've learned in the past to make you successful. Such as? Um, Can you give I an think, example? Uh, I, I would say, like, for example, coming out of college, I was taught to do fitness a certain way. And it it took a while for me to have an open, and because I, I really believed in all my strength and conditioning at USC, and such, I, I thought I was going to live and die by that routine. And, um, but I just felt that my fitness wasn't improving and, uh, I needed to, to find a way to, to, to level up a little bit in order to compete at the next level. And I just needed to have an open mind to maybe longer runs, more endurance runs versus like when I was in school, I was taught a lot of intervals, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of sprints only. So that, that's like an example and um and so although the fitness and the strength and conditioning at school it helped me to get where i was coming out of college it helped me to have a great college career there's something that i needed to do even different you know even more differently after that and to and i think 
at that point, like to understand that whatever it took to get you here may not necessarily take you uh, or like allow you to get there where you want to be. Like that, that's tough. That's tough to, to digest sometimes, especially like when you had a great collegiate career or you had a successful one. You're just like, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm just going to do it a little bit better. Um, but I, I think at a, at a certain point, if you want to play at the highest level, you got to be open to certain changes that maybe may even contradict whatever you were doing in the past. Right, right. And I mean, did you find that same thing happen when you transitioned from juniors to college? Do you remember? Hmm. I would say yes. I, I would say that uh, I think coming from coming from the juniors, maybe I was a little bit more fragile mentally you know your parents protect you and want to protect your ego and whatnot they want they want to build you up to have this confidence that you're you're a great player and that's and that's all that's great to like nurture a young young tennis player because that's that's what makes them above average to to believe that that they are they're special and I think like going into college, one thing I had to, one thing I also had to learn was that when you're, when you're out there and you're playing and, and it's all about competing and like really just spilling your guts out on the court, like anyone can beat anybody. And, yeah. and that, that's, that's a little tougher to, to digest like at, at that age. But if you kind of can see what I'm, what I'm saying, like you had to like unlearn what you, what made you great in the juniors and you had to change it around in order to compete in a dual match and to compete at the highest collegiate level. Um, and, and, and I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different shifts that you see in certain parts of your life. But if I were to, to think of one that, that definitely, that definitely sticks out to me, maybe in the juniors, I felt I like took pride in maybe certain, certain fancy shots I could hit, um, I don't know, sort maybe like unique plays, creative plays, but like in college, I needed to kind of reel it in and just become tough and become super disciplined, especially to win like dual matches that that really mattered. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question or not. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's all part and parcel of transitioning <laughs> from one aspect of the game to the next and moving up, mm -hmm. you know, from juniors to college to professional. And I, you know, I kind of, I, I'm curious how you handled transitioning from college where you were winning a lot to mm -hmm. professional tennis where maybe you weren't winning as much and having to deal with the emotional strain of that it, it, it definitely is it, it was definitely an adjustment and did you expect you, that did you know that was coming i i did actually because before i went into i before i went into college i had this i had this period of time where i played some challengers and i went six months without without winning a match mm. And, and and that was a really tough time. And I went I went six months without winning a match, and 
and I went and I went to USC and I played my first quali- qualifying match at um, at All Americans. I don't I don't even know if it was pre qualifying or qualifying, but anyways, I I played my first my first match and I was so nervous because I was playing in front of my coach and I, and I hadn't won a match in half a year and and gosh, but like to get that to get that first win, it it felt like a huge weight off my back. And because I had that experience and I knew that this is totally a thing, like the losing streak is totally a thing going in onto the professional tour. Like I, I knew like it happens and like it, it, it happened to me when I, when I was, when I was 16, 17 years old. So I was prepared for it, but also it, it also feels different when it's your livelihood too. And you're just like, uh, like, you know, you just want all, all the more. You want to win so bad because this is all you do, right? right? And 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 it's and it's definitely tough to deal with. Like to to come from being the top of the NCAA's like NCAA like you know field, and you're winning ninety percent of your matches, and to to get on tour and and you and you're losing first round for two three weeks in a row, and and that that's really tough to swallow. But um, if if girls coming out of college can be prepared for, I, I'm can be prepared for that. I think they're in a good, good place, but I don't know if, if, if you can even be prepared for that because it's something most people have never experienced before, especially like up until that part of their career. I, I think I, for me, I just had a unique experience because I had that period where I did play some challengers. Do you think there's a way to get ready for that? I mean, like you said, you know, you you kind of, I'm sure when you were in the midst of that six-month losing streak, you didn't look at it as a gift. But in hindsight, you now realize, you know, that prepared you for the next step. So, you know, maybe it was a gift in disguise. (laughs) Um, But for the people that don't have that experience, either because they're not playing higher level events in their junior careers or whatever reason, or they're just that good mm-hmm. that they don't lose. Um, you know, mentally, how, how do you get past that? And again, you know, if current Danielle could talk to, you know, first year professional Danielle, what would you say to her to, to help her kind of manage that better? That's tough. Like I, I think it it really is tough to, to tell somebody, you know, be prepared for this because you, you, you're not going to really know what it's going to feel like until it happens. I I guess I could warn younger Danielle, like, Hey, like there's going to be some, some losing streaks, like, and, you know, in 2019, you're going to go from January to March and not win a match. And you're going, and you're going to be stressed out of your mind because, because you're in this position to, to up your ranking, but you, but you can't because you're, you you feel like you have a whole bunch of weight on your shoulders. I, I wish I could, I could warn her about that, but I think until you go through it, you, you, you don't really know. And, um, and, you know, like this year, beginning of the year like with every loss that I had it was like gosh I got to work harder and the more you put into it the more pressure you put on yourself and then when it comes to competition all of a sudden you just like you just can't play because it's like it's like too much or you can't let yourself play freely because it's too much and I and it's really tough to prepare someone for that I mean I can articulate it now because it's happened to me but 
if even if I articulated this to younger Danielle, I don't know if she would understand it because she's got to go through it and it's all growing pains. And I think, you know, if may, maybe, uh, maybe I'll find a better way to communicate it uh, at a later date. But right now I, I don't know if I can, I can imagine younger Danielle understanding that other than, you know, warning her, but like, will she fully understand? I, I don't think so. And, and yeah, it's, it's definitely just like a process everyone has to go through. How did you get through it this year? I think I just, I had to, I had to work on my mental game a little bit and, and every day you just, you just focus on showing up and, and, and giving your best. And, and at some point when, when the results aren't showing, your back just feels like it's against the wall. And then, and then all of a sudden you get into this, into this zone where you have nothing to lose anymore and you just let it happen. Right. And you, and you just let yourself play and then you re and, and, and through all the mental work, you got to revisit, like, you know, why, why do you play this game? And um, what, what's that feeling you feel when when you when when you are playing well? And it's probably got it's probably got a little bit of fearlessness to it. It's got it's got a little it's got a little bit of like relentlessness, you know, attached to it. And also like you know a carefree a carefree feeling of not being attached to the results and just playing just just to be out there, like playing for the heck of it because because it's a game and you're good at it. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, it's, and, and, and trust me, it, it, it's tough to revisit that, that part, you know, when, when things aren't going well, you forget like what, what it felt like to win. What it, it's amazing. Um, for as long as I've been playing tennis, like there, there are times in the year where you're like, gosh, I like forgot how to win. Or like, I, I, I forgot what it felt like when, when, or I forgot what it felt like when when it when tennis felt good, or or when it felt enjoyable. Because you're so wrapped up in just getting from point A to point B, or wrapped up in building your ranking. Like all of a su- all of a sudden, the process gets thrown out the window. And 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 like the the moments in between, like the little spaces of trying to focus on your results and like trying to and trying to be like goal oriented all the time, like you you start you start to focus on the future too much or the past and you're not here in the present and it's and it's tough because like all, all you can do when when things aren't going well is all you can do is is try to stay in the present but all you but what your mind wants to do is think about you know the future or like critique yourself of the past so that you can get to the future and and it's and it's a tough it's a tough balance to to find but um yeah just like trying to work at it every day eventually you get out of the rut but yeah it's a tough place to be when you said you were working on the mental side of your game what does that mean mm-hmm. what are you specifically doing to work on it uh i i guess like i have a couple of rituals in a day that that I do to try to center myself i i do have a gratitude journal which helps me to stay in the present and helps me to be grateful for, for what I have. Um, and, and, you know, instead of focusing on what I don't have and what I want, um, I think. Do you write in that every day? 
Absolutely. <laughs> I don't skip a day. <laughs> okay. Uh, Which takes a yeah, ton of discipline, um, I have to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I ride in it once in the morning and I ride in it once at night. Um, so I, I do that. And, and some people might think it's a little woo woo and it's, and it's a little odd, but I feel like it helps me. Um, I think mindfulness practices are, are great too. And that might sound a little woo woo to some people, but I, I, I think it's, I think it's great to, to have, you know, a time like that for yourself so that you, you can train the mind to, to be in like the here and now, instead of worrying about like what happened yesterday or, or what might happen tomorrow. Um, I, and by all means that that's not, this is not like a cure all, but it's, it definitely helps. And like when you stack one good day on top of another, like some, it, it helps you to get out of the bad situations, I think, or, or the tough situations, you know, if you will. But right. yeah. Um, well, one good yeah, day so becomes two time. good days, becomes a good week, becomes two good weeks, you know? And yeah, I mean, I think that makes, to me, it makes a ton of sense, but I think it's a very difficult thing to do. And especially when you are in a rut or in the midst of a losing streak to have the, the, I guess, self-knowledge to recognize that something needs to change and Mm-hmm. to then have the discipline to make the change and to stick to the change long enough to ha- allow the change to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and trust me, like there, there are days where like I, I wake up and I'm writing in the gratitude journal and, and like, I'm, I'm thinking like, gosh, I, I don't know what to write today. And it's, and it's tough, but you gotta like, you gotta push through it. And I, and I also try to, and, and one thing I, I also try to do um, when I'm, when I'm doing this is like, okay, maybe if I, if I write this one thing I'm grateful for down, like a, when I, when I write it, when I write it down, I, inside, I really do, I need to promise myself that I, I really do feel grateful for that in this moment. Right. And, and like, maybe mm-hmm. it's like something simple, like I'm grateful for my peanut butter and jelly toast this morning and like mm-hmm. although i might wash that that thought down the drain a little later maybe maybe at at 3 p.m i'm not that grateful for it anymore because that time has passed but at least for that moment when i wrote it down i'm truly grateful for it and and sometimes when you when when you can be grateful for the three seconds that you are writing something down you'll notice that when you stack one day on top of the other, those three seconds, it gets a little longer. You can carry it for a little bit longer. And I think that's, that's definitely like how I, how I stack yeah, one good day on top of the other. All of a sudden, you, instead of maybe you felt grateful for five seconds yes, yesterday, and that's fine. And then tomorrow, maybe it'll be 10. And then, like you, and, then all of a, and then all of a sudden, a week or so later, you're feeling grateful for like an hour, two straight hours, and then it starts to become a full day. And that's just how you build it. And, uh, and yeah, it's definitely not something that happens overnight. And do you feel like when you are feeling that gratitude, that that translates into better performance on the court? For sure. I think, I think when, when, when you are grateful, you, you're, you're not, 
in a position to to judge your current situation. You're you're too busy like looking at what you got and like totally accepting what you have. And yeah, and you're and you're not busy judging what you don't have or like why why you're in this situation. Um and and I think when you're in that type of mental space on the tennis court, you give your chance a little you give yourself a chance to to perform better, to play the way you want to play versus if you're on the court and you're and you're busy judging like what you aren't or what you need to improve. I, I think goals are great, but um, sometimes we get wrapped up in them a bit too much on like what we lack instead of, you know, seeing like what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, and, and it's tough, especially in such a high achieving, you know, in such a high achieving level and people who just, who, who want to be the best at what they do in the world, it it's tough. And, and sometimes we jumble it. Well, and I think it's interesting. I've talked to, you know, so many coaches over the years, junior coaches and college coaches, and several of them have talked about dedicating a part of a lesson or a drill day or a practice session to working on strengths because mm-hmm. by strengthening strengths, you know, you build confidence and you build that sense of well-being like you're talking about, as opposed to only focusing on working on the things that are lagging behind and, and you know, need improving. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think, I definitely do think we always need to strengthen our strengths. And, um, and it, it's, and yeah, it's definitely good for, for self-confidence and self-talk to, to know, to know what you're good at. I think that's a huge part of your identity too. Like knowing, knowing, um, yeah, knowing your strengths on the court and, and, and being able to latch onto that when, when things get tough or like, uh, or when, when you have uh, certain doubts and you can, and you can remind yourself why you're good. Right. So as you prepare for the 2020 season, what are you taking from 2019 to help grow your game, grow your mental toughness and yes, grow your ranking in 2020? I think just staying in the present moment more often is going to be going to be a goal for me. I think I think a lot of a lot of the bumpy times in in twenty in twenty nineteen were were moments that are a bit too you know where the focus was a bit too too much like result oriented and um and yeah going into going into twenty twenty i think i think it's important to trust to trust the work that you do and um you know hard work is unique. I think I think everybody works in a different way, and 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 at this and at this level of tennis, like you you got your own unique way to work, and you're and and you got to believe in in your work too, in how you mm-hmm. do things, and and I think when when you can trust that work, and you get on the court, and you can take pride in in the preparation that that you put in, in order in order to compete that day, I, I think that's you can put yourself in a great place to compete and you can put yourself in a place to, to play anybody to compete and, and dance with anybody. And, 
And, um, and yeah, I think if you can, if I could just keep fostering that type of mentality that, that every day is just, is just a day to be better and a, and every day can be great as long as you commit to it, then, um, then, then I think, uh, we'll have better vibes this year or, well, maybe not better vibes, but ho- hopefully I'll, I'll learn from my mistakes from last year. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever found yourself at a tournament feeling like you really hadn't done everything you needed to do to be ready? Mm, yes, actually in, in the past, in the, in the fall season, I, I felt that, you know, the, the preparation was great. The mind was in a good place and what, where the tennis is at, the tennis is where it is. And the, the only thing left to do was to put the mind in the right place in order to go compete. And, um, and the results are going to, yeah, they will be what they will be. But I mean, have you ever shown up at a tournament feeling like I really haven't done everything I needed to do? Oh, I have not. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. At the beginning of the year, it was, it was like, you wanted to, I felt like wanting to micromanage everything. It was like, there was never enough practice. There were never enough balls hit. And, um, and, and that's probably where I was, where I was like, where I was significantly flawed. I feel like, um, you know, I, I felt like I needed to do more in order to, to, to be a better player. And, um, it was like there, 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 there wasn't, there wasn't enough time to, to fit in all the work and, and, um, and yeah, like for, for the first part of the year, it, it was, it was tough. It created a lot of, <laughs> created a lot of, uh, anxiety and like unhappiness and, um, and instead of going out there and competing and enjoying the com- competition, it was, it was like, there's a lot of focus on like, gosh, like I, I could have done this better and I could have worked on this a bit more in practice, but in all honesty, that you only have, you only have so many calories to burn and, and so much time in the day and so many balls to hit before, <laughs> before your arm falls off. So right. like not everything's going to be done. And and um and yeah i think i think a lot of times we we under we we underestimate you know how how little time we have in a day um or maybe i should say we overestimate what we can accomplish in a day and we underestimate what we can accomplish in in a long period of time mm-hmm. um so it, i think a a good way to to think about it is Everything doesn't need to be done today, uh, but if you constantly, if you continue to work at, at at little things day in, day out, maybe in three months or so, you know the work will show. And and it, it's always tough to tough to trust that because we always want everything here and now. Right. Um, and then, <laughs> we are and, creatures and of immediate yes, immediate gratification. Yeah, we 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 want it here and now, and. Um, and yeah, but um, I think trusting that if you put in the work and and just show up every day and giving a hundred percent all the time, that that it will show. And um, and that also goes with like working on your mindset every day too. I mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's just the, the stuff on the court. I think it's whatever whatever's happening upstairs too. You got to work at that and 
and it's and it's very easy if you kind of neglect it. Um, everything everything goes down the drain. The tennis goes down the drain if your mind's in the if your mind is not in the right place. Well, I mean, from listening to all of what you're saying today, it to me it sounds like you were really hard on yourself at the beginning of 2019, and oh yeah, absolutely. You you learned to cut yourself some slack and to understand and accept some of your limitations and to figure out a way to work within those limitations instead of being frustrated that you had the limitations. And that's a huge growth for somebody, Mm -hmm. especially somebody that is out there performing solo, you know, Mm -hmm. 99.9% of the time. So, I mean, to me, listening to you talk about your 2019 I feel like you had an incredible growth year and I'm so excited for your 2020 and to see what it brings for you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And, and trust me, it wasn't easy the whole way, but yeah, you, I think everyone's got to go through times like that. And, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm grateful for the year I had because yeah, there's definitely a lot of growing pains, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to make me you know, better as a player, a person and and just ho- hopefully hopefully stronger for the future and and just, you know, help me with my professional career. Do you feel like having athletes like Venus and Serena out there at such a quote old age for a professional athlete takes a little of the pressure off that like, okay, I don't have to accomplish everything by the time I'm 28. You know, I have another decade or even longer maybe before my career is finished. I I think so. It's it's incredibly inspiring to see, you know, Venus and Serena still working at their craft. Obviously they're the Serena greatest of all time, the best that, what she does it's tough to compare to her (laughs) sometimes um even like comparing to venus they're they're like the queens of the sport uh but but the fact that they're still out there playing at such a high level at their age you know it's not like your career's finished at a young age anymore yeah and and it's inspiring on the men's side too and and it just i think it, it 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 pushes the rest of the field to, to be better and, and to, to believe in the longevity of everyone's career. And, and, and it's great. It's great for the sport. Yeah. Well, Danielle, as always, it is a pleasure talking with you and getting your wisdom and your insights. And I, I just, I never cease to be amazed by how tuned in you are to what's happening in your brain and your body in your career. And I just always love hearing from you and reading your writings and, and all of that. So <laughs> thanks so much for coming back on the podcast and talking with us about your challenging year and, you know, what's in store for next year. No, thanks so much. I appreciate that, Lisa. Always great to talk to you. Well, good luck. Enjoy your family and your friends before you head down under and can't wait to see what you do in 2020. All right, we'll do. We'll talk soon. Thanks. 
to my listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.